This is part two of an interview with Reverend Stu Cameron of New Life Uniting Church on the Gold Coast. So, so we've talked a bit about growing disciples through worship, through fellowship, if you like that word, Bible study, prayer. Let's talk about the kind of the, the outward aspect, you know, um, using gifts, serving, faith sharing, justice, that kind of stuff. What, what does it mean to grow? What does it mean here to grow disciples in that outward sense? That's probably our strength here. Um, that was very much uh, part of the culture that um, I moved into when I arrived here about halfway through our life. Um, as I said before, very much an activist, very much an activist church. Um, you know, we, we our sign at the front was Ravenna Service Paradise Church and Community Centre, and so we have strong community engagement. Um, uh, we have a very high volunteer rate and a lot of that volunteerism is not just around filling a roster on Sunday but involved in ministry to the homeless, ministry to people with disabilities, um, uh, ministry, to, ministry to single mums who are struggling and so on and so forth. Um, uh, we have a, a young adult ministry to people who are um, mm-hmm. to sex workers here on the Gold Coast for example. The challenge is not getting people to serve, is actually seeing how their service is part of their discipleship. Yeah. Okay. And that's a real challenge for us, is about tying that in and saying, well, we serve not, not just uh, uh, because we want to or like to, although that's really important, but, but that it's actually an expression of our faith, a uh, living expression of our faith. Um, and, and that it's also not just about what we do individually, but how, as a body of Christ, we express the mission of Christ. Or, and more particularly, how we participate in His mission in the world. I mean, we really strongly try to communicate that. It's not about we, we take Jesus with us wherever we're going. It's that Christ is already at work. How do we participate in that? And that's an, that's an ongoing challenge to actually help people understand that framework. God is at work in the world. Mm. How do I participate in that work? Where does God invite me to do that? Sometimes it's not so much uh, encouraging people to go out. It's about helping them actually go out in a more reflective way. Mm. A couple of phrases we use here is... And then there's some... There's some quite serious ecclesiology for me behind this. I mean, we're one big, happy, sometimes dysfunctional family. And that's how we feel. I mean, or more, even more bluntly, we're a bit of a mongrel mob. You know, we, we would have all the traditions reflected here and a lot of different cultural backgrounds. So there's a lot of different uh, understandings that are brought to the table, um, which makes for a very dynamic environment and, and makes for some interesting pushback at times. So, for example, if we get involved in, um, you know, uh, some of the more contentious issues. For example, I'm involved in Welcome to Australia. For some of our people, that's very threatening. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, we, 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 we don't hide from that. We try to talk about that in a ways which take people on a journey rather than hit them over the head with, well, by and large, both politically and probably theologically, it's a conservative community. So pushing the edges is, is part of the responsibility we have to help people think through, you know, to have faith with understanding, um, but also to, to um, recognise that there are other valid and biblically based understandings that, yeah. So we, we've had all sorts. I mean, people who come from traditions where women in ministry, goodness sake, is, is not, is not um, is something they had to get their head around, but they've been on a journey and, and they've, they've come through that to the other side very affirming. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's a matter of having some patience and forbearance and um, and grace, frankly. What about experiences of um, mission or service mm-hmm. beyond the congregation and even you know, beyond the Gold Coast? We have mission exposure trips and we find ourselves having to rem- having to educate our people that, again, it's not about us going to do mission 
It's about us going and engaging in um, uh, an exchange, a cultural exchange and exposure um, where inevitably we're going to receive and learn more than what we bring and offer. Uh, there's a mutuality to this and so spending a good amount of time both preparing and then debriefing those teams and we would have three or four mission exposure, overseas mission exposure uh, trips a year uh, okay. to places like Bosnia, Thailand, Solomon Islands. Um, only only, a, only over a couple of year period, only one or two of those would be work party based things. Most of them are really just about connecting people with mm -hmm. people um, and building relationship. And similarly, you know, invite people to come back here as well. So, um, and that's been a very important part of our uh, of our discipleship journeys at church, um, of having that exposure, recognizing we're part of a global village. We have constant requests from people in our congregation who have personal connections with mission organisations or with people, and uh, we have a we have a, a lay led missions team mm. who help us focus on basically four essential mission partners, Bosnia, Thailand, Cambodia and Solomon Islands. Um, when I came here, none of what we had was with the Uniting Church partners, so we added the Solomon Islands to reflect our heritage and, mm. and to tie us into the Uniting Church's rich mission partnerships. Um, so uh, so we, we, uh, we encourage people to do what they would like to do, but we gently respond, well, these are, these are our partners. Mm. It's been incredibly helpful in some, for example, our, our Cambodian um, connection uh, is primarily driven by our young adult community, um, where they're working, um, basically it's a partnership with a, a slum community and a pastor who works there on the Thai-Cambodian border, and uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the way in which that has developed um, in a, a very holistic and healthy sort of way. Um, so, and that's been incredibly important for our, for our young adult community um, in terms of giving them an understanding of a, what I think is a healthy and uh, um, appropriate way towards cross-cultural mission. Let's turn to um, younger people. Mm -hmm. with, our, with our children's ministry, I, I took our primary school up to end of primary school, um, uh, we, for a whole host of reasons, um, a lot of them practical, but not simply practical. Um, our, our children um, uh, don't come into gathered worship um, except for four Sundays of the year, mm -hmm. where we have all age worship essentially. Um, um, there's a whole heap of child safe reasons for us and other things we need to address because of our size and sight mm -hmm. around that. Um, uh, but but their curriculum at the moment is uh, based on different themes. What's happening. In, in the larger larger church gathering, but we're in the process of transitioning that so that we actually write our own resources there again mm -hmm. that will tie in mm -hmm. so that basically what parents or, or carers are uh, focusing on in their worship experience is what also their children are mm -hmm. as well. So that's what we're moving towards by the middle of the year. Um, uh, so, I mean, certainly, I mean, our, the focus of our children's discipleship is, was, is still at this, at this point in time primarily what happens on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. um, most of our um, small groups focused on um, uh, younger families, involved children, mm -hmm. though, as well. So children are welcome. Mm -hmm. It's part of that whole small group gathering. So that necessarily adjusts what can be taught and focused on, but we think it's important to have, mm -hmm. have that. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. worship and learning. Um, and uh, so, and we break them into age-specific groups, uh, three three age-specific groups. Uh, 
naught to th- uh, sorry, yeah, naught to three, three to five, and then uh, six through twelve. Um, and they have their own worship, um, uh, led by volunteers, uh, uh, you know, uh, biblical engagement, um, and then some obviously some activities based around that, learning activities based around that. So that, that program runs for about an hour and twenty minutes okay. every Sunday morning. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty solid commitment from our volunteers. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. solid commitment. Um, and there's a lot of training, you know, we, 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 we try to invest as much as we can in those leaders um, to help equip them mm-hmm. to be the best teacher, um, facilitator, carer for those, for those kids. So youth, youth ministry, um, in many ways, echoes what happens in, in Sunday gatherings in that it's based around Friday night worship, but also um, small groups that happen every second week, on, uh, you know, as part of that Friday mm-hmm. night. In fact, these days, pretty much two out of every three weeks, there'd be small groups, um, which are consistently led by mm-hmm. the same leader, the same group, mm-hmm. age-related. Again, where there's pre-prepared questions, which are based around what might have been taught in the larger mm-hmm. gathering. Mm-hmm. So that's a two and a half hour program on a Friday night from six thirty through nine o'clock. We also have a um, a Sunday morning program for mm-hmm. our for our high schoolers. So they'll come in for the first uh, 20 minutes, half hour of, of gathered worship and then spend 40 minutes in a small group mm-hmm. setting while they do some discipleship. Uh, you know, strong encouragement around service there as well for our young people. Um, notwithstanding that it's really difficult because uh, m- not all of them, but many of them are involved in very busy private school educations. And so we find ourselves constantly competing there. Sport, music. Yeah, yeah. And then this is a, this is a, I think this is a challenge. My, my conversation with other pastors and ministers, uh, priests, is that this is a constant challenge, uh, that in many ways our private schools, whether Christian or denominational, uh, are demanding more and more of our families' time. Mm-hmm. Families are time poor. Uh, this affects weekend worship attendance, mm-hmm. engagement, etc. And in many ways, our schools have become our churches. They're trying very hard to become the social centre of the family's life. Indeed, indeed. And I think, you know, parents for a whole host of good and understandable reasons, money invested, uh, outcomes that they're hoping for, mm. etc., decide to prioritise that in some ways mm. over um, over the church's discipleship of their children. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I did want to ask about, uh, I mean, you know, we, we know that the, the primary influence on the values and faith of Young people's the family. Yeah, I do. So yeah, I'll talk about that as well. How do you? Yeah. How do you shape family faith? Yeah, yeah. The curriculum we're using at the moment, which we're not using particularly well, because it's got an element which we never really rolled out, is um, curriculum that again that's come from the United States. As I said, we're going to drop that in six months' time, called Orange, which basically it it, again it's the thematically based curriculum, but it has a very strong family resourcing component to it. Um, we haven't rolled that out well uh, with, our, with our families um, but the intention is again in writing our own that part of that resourcing will be to give families some resources they can then use at home to reinforce mm-hmm. it and obviously that will be easier if what they're, learn, what they're doing themselves in both small groups and Sunday gatherings is the same as what their children are doing in, um, mm-hmm. in kids life so we want to integrate all of all the church's learning ultimately that's the ultimate aim mm. for, for for discipleship outcome reasons I mean, the way we've chosen to go is it, it, we think works best for us mm. even with all of the challenges it presents sure. um, in terms of being able to teach systematically themes and scriptural themes theological themes etc works for us well I, I think my last 
the question is really around um, church lead ministers, church leaders, church mm. leadership being mm. intentional around discipleship. I guess firstly, do you see intentionality as important there? Mm. And and if so, what does that look like here? Yeah, yeah. Discipleship that's not intentional is not discipleship, and I think it, you can't you can't drift your way into discipleship. It has to be an intentional process. We sort of try to see that reflected in all that we do. So, for example, our elders, our elders meet. The, the first thing we do is we spend a solid half, three quarters of an hour in both prayer and biblical reflection. And we, this last year, for example, we've worked through uh, Tim Keller's book called Centre Church, which is mm-hmm. a church planning, um, missional engagement in the city sort of resource. And, and so, um, you know, we've spent a good solid half hour in each elders meeting reflecting on that. What does this mean for our church? What's God saying here, etc. So, so that the rest of that conversation is informed by that ongoing theological reflection. But also, all of our key leaders, including our ministry staff, are, are expected and encouraged um, to mentor, um, intentionally mentor other leaders. Um, in every one of our role descriptions, um, the, the one consistent um, expected outcome is to be a leader of leaders, to raise up other leaders. So we put a high, um, you know, high value on leadership development. And so, I mean, I have half a dozen people that I'm intentionally mentoring, meeting with them, a mixture between once every fortnight and once every month, giving them resources to read through. You know, it's, it's a structured sort of process. Um, for our uh, young adults, particularly uh, my colleague Ralph Mayhew, uh, has developed an internship and traineeship program. So the trainees are those who are doing effectively a gap year. Um, they give us a day a week. Um, as do our interns who are doing period of discernment and are seriously exploring long-term ministry in the Uniting Church. Uh, they give us a day a week as well. Um, but what we give them uh, on a Thursday morning is two hours of, of leadership development conversation you know, around both secular and biblical resources, um, but also a very, um, very focused ministry exposure experience as well. So, uh, for example, uh, you know, one of our interns is working with young families, uh, another of our interns is working in our creative arts ministry, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I mean, another one of the interns is working with me and doing sermon research, you know, so, and help, help structure our current series in terms of the scriptures that we're using, etc. And so, you know, sitting, so spending a lot of one-on-one and group time with them and developing them. Mm. My colleague Ralph has developed another program called Soapbox, which is a, um, a, a preaching class, which meets every two months, um, where there's both teaching on the art of communication, mm. biblical communication, but also an opportunity for some of our younger or newer preachers to have an opportunity to preach okay. for 10 to 15 minutes and then be critiqued okay. in, a, in a safe environment. Mm. And so we want to give people an opportunity to try those things out, to test out whether that's a gift they want to grow in. Mm-hmm. God's given them, they want to grow in. So giving people opportunity to express those things. I mean, in our church, it would be easy for us for all the platform ministry to be staff. Yep. So we deliberately try to make sure that we have other leaders there who are not staff that are getting an opportunity to explore that. Mm-hmm. So you know, the priesthood of all, all believers being reflected mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. How do, how do you as a leadership team learn from what you're doing? There are times when sometimes I think we, we engage in too much navel-gazing and other times I think we don't do enough of it, but we, we reflect on a Monday, you know, we spend, our, our, our leadership team would spend at least three hours together reflecting on 
uh, weekend worship, um, uh, discipleship strategies for pastoral issues, those sorts of things, but also planning for the future. So I would think at least a third to a half of our time, or probably a third, would be about a quarter to a third of our time would be on reflect on reflection before we get into planning. Um, so what worked, what didn't work, what's not working um, in terms of processes or strategy? What do we need to change? What do we need to tweak? What do we learn from that? Um, what do we need to change? We've structured in reflection. We spent a fair bit of face-to-face time together as a leadership team talking those things through. How do you evaluate how well you're doing? Presumably with people becoming disciples, there's some evidence of that. Yeah, indeed. We look at a range of quantitative and qualitative data. Um, you know, how many people are engaging in, you know, actively engaging in small groups, for example. How many people are in worship? How are people contributing their resources to the mission of God? Uh, I think that's a key indicator, which we ignore at our peril. And not just in, in offerings on a Sunday, but towards mission initiatives and those sorts of things. I think that that is a significant indicator of church and discipleship health. Mm. And then, you know, participation in, in, in service. It's obviously another key one. We do, we are committed to using both NCD and Reveal on a 12 to 18 month basis because what that gives us is long, longitudinal mm-hmm. data. So we don't just, not taking a snapshot, we're actually getting a, a, a sense of a pattern of what's happening mm-hmm. um, in our people. It's not, it's, not, it's not a silver bullet, but it does actually give us um, some more information mm-hmm. to make some more objective mm-hmm. um, uh, evaluation of what's actually going on. Um, it's difficult though, it's really difficult. Um, uh, so much of ministry is, is gut feel and intuition and anecdotal evidence, um, frankly. Um, so whatever objective data you can get is gold mm. to mm. help in that process. Um, and this is where, you know, I think the discernment um, of elders, um, you know, we ask our elders to keep a, a constant question we're asking ourselves from a global perspective, is what's the spiritual pulse of the church? Is it in good heart? And not just is it happy with itself, mm-hmm. but is it engaging in the mission of mm-hmm. God um, in a way that's healthy and stretching and growing? Um, 